Guess what, guys? We're not doctors. No, we are not. If you're going to be making any major medical decisions, please consult your doctor. That includes diets, exercise, medications, and surgery. We love you guys. And we want you to continue to be in our OSLP family forever. So be careful and and consult consult your doctors. Have you heard of ProCare or just have you been living under a rock? ProCare is the very first bariatric multivitamin to develop a one-a-day vitamin. That's right. You heard it correctly. One-a-day. And they also have delicious dark chocolate calciums that are available during the winter months. That's right. So go to ProCareNow.com, get your calcium chews, get your multivitamin, and use OSLP for a discount. What is sequence? Are you feeling a little sluggish? Little lack of protein? Little lack of caffeine? Well, we got the fix for that. That's right. Dive Bar Nutrition has the best protein bars. They have caffeine, protein, and they taste delicious. So head on over to divebarnutrition.com and use code OSLP at checkout. Are you located in the Florida area? Well, we have the perfect office for you. Dr. Fridley and his wife, Macy, have created the perfect, welcoming, and safe place for your bariatric journey. That's right. So click on the link below to start your weight loss journey now and... Don't forget to tell them that the OSLP's girls sent you. I know I didn't have enough support during my weight loss journey. She didn't. And when we found the tribe, we were over the moon because not only do they offer you at least one support group a day, but they give you the tools and the knowledge to really succeed on your journey. That's right. So go over to the sleevedietitian.com and find the subscribe button for the tribe and use OSLP to get your discount. Welcome back, OSLP family. Yeah, welcome, I welcome. I that one a little bit. You kind of did. Do you want to redo it? No. Okay. Uh, you are listening to our Sleeve Life podcast, and this is Kelly. This is Ma. And as you guys probably already know, we are thrilled to announce that the official vitamin of our Sleeve Life podcast is. ProCare. 100%. We have been on them for almost four years now. Mm -hmm. That's all we take. We try others, but we always end up back at ProCare because it is... One, they're delicious. They're delicious. There's one a day. They're easy. Some of these you have to take like with every meal. And I'm like, who's going to remember that? I can barely remember to take the one. Exactly. Exactly. So I love that there's a one a day. I love the dark chocolate for the calcium. Yep. Like there's insulin resistance. Like they have so many different things for you. Like I am sick so much less since I have started taking MAGD. Mm -hmm. So like their products are just life changing for me. They are. Well, and we learned not to take the MAGD at nighttime. It kept me up. I did it for three days straight. That's how I knew. I was yeah. like, what is, why is this so weird? I'm yeah, like, oh. so take it during the day. I take it first thing in the morning with all my other pills. Yep. It's it's great. So, But we are very excited to have an official vitamin of the podcast. So if you're interested in purchasing ProCare, go over to ProCareNow.com and use code OSLP at checkout. Now, if you are already on your phone, you are already on your computer, whatever Which you're we doing. We know you are. You're you are. Always I mean, duh. Yeah. Um, you need to go to our sleevelifepodcast.com because mm-hmm. there have been a whole slew of changes. Yes, on because our we rebranded. We did rebrand. Yes, we're in season nine. Yes. And we rebranded everything, mm-hmm. and Kelly designed a bunch of clothes, and mm-hmm. it looks so cool, guys. Yes. So you definitely have to go over there and check out the merch. And if you actually, while you're there, you can become a Patreon. Mm-hmm. Well, a patron. You're jumping ahead, though. Well, because they get You're discounts. You're jumping ahead. They get discounts on the website. You do. You do get discounts on the website. The and There's yes, a connection. You can click the little button on the top right corner, and it will 
lead you to our Patreon. But what I want to talk about is the weekly tracker that yes. we now have available. It's downloadable PDF. It is. it is. It's a PDF. You download it. You can have it printed. You could use it digitally. Um, it is by – it is filled out by the week. There we go. And uh, there's also a spot for journaling, and it it takes care of you for a full year. It does. It so, does. So, and – with the discounts, mm-hmm. if you are a patron member in the $10 or higher tier, you do get a 50% off di- uh, discount code for that tracker. Yes. So you want to make sure that you are going and getting that so that you start your year on point. Right? Because it's not just like your average day tracker. It is not. Because it's tracking so many different things, like even your mood. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important because I think sometimes people believe they're having more bad days than good. Uh-huh. And I think if you guys start like writing it down mm-hmm. that you're actually doing way better than you think you are. Yeah. But we're just kind of mean to ourselves. Well, and so. we always talk about the pillars of a bariatric patient. Right. And so that's what this tracker is. Mm-hmm. It is tracking your pillars. So it's sleep. Water, protein, vitamins, right? Uh, your mood, your uh, water. Mm-hmm. So it's got a whole different thing, and you can actually look at it and be like, okay, how was this week? What do I need to yeah. improve on? And it's not focusing on the calories. It's not focusing mm-hmm. on any of that. The carbs. No. All that shit. It's just your habits. It's a habit tracker. So uh, go over and get that. Go to patreon.com forward slash OSLP. Mm-hmm. To become a patron because we love our patrons. That's right. And then what's the last thing they need to do, Mel? They need to just go over to YouTube because mm-hmm. it's free for you to help us out with this. So it is free. It's already on your phone. Preloaded. Preloaded. Just click it. Type in our Sleep Life podcast. We're the only ones. And we will be giving you guys actual videos every single Tuesday mm-hmm. just like these. And again, you would know. But we might have a guest with us this we whole might. time. We might have we a just guest. Might. Yeah. Yes. And we are so excited to have this woman on the yes, show. Yes, we are. I have so many questions. I can't wait to hear your questions. So many to be questions. Honest. I do. Huh? I do because I. You know, okay. you're starting off first. Then. That's fine. That's fine. Um. So we huh? want to welcome give. Doctor Desiree, a very warm welcome onto the show. Thank you so much for being on. Woo woo. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to hear all about how you became a sex therapist. That's right. And she is actually pleasure goddess on Instagram. Yes. Yes. And the pleasure goddess with underscores. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, but the other cool thing is, is that you've had surgery. Yes. Yes. So three years out. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. So, can you tell us, so let's first go into like your story as a bariatric patient. Where did your weight issue start and how did it, how did it lead you to surgery? Absolutely. I've, I've always been a thickums. I've also, I've always been like the taller kid and also like a little bit bigger. And it's interesting to look back on your childhood because honestly, I, I was pretty average size, but compared to everyone else, I felt like mammoth and compared to how people made me feel I felt very much abnormal other and made fun of for quite a bit of time Mm -hmm. uh but because that's just been my life story Mm -hmm. it it was normal for me you know you learn to adapt and adjust and um you know just kind of live your life which was pretty successful and um honestly I have tried everything maybe except for like the Mediterranean diet so there was always this effort to just 
try to lose weight. Um, Atkins was cool, but it would always come back. So that was just like the story. You try really hard, it'll come back. Mm -hmm. And um, one year I was in nursing school. I I dropped out, but I was in nursing school. (laughs) And I was reading through through the threads about the specialties. And I saw bariatric surgery as a specialty. And I remember it said something like bariatric surgery was the only way to uh, mediate the impacts of PCOS, which I was diagnosed with when I was like 19 or 20. And so it was like a light bulb went up in my head, right? Everyone tells me just lose weight. All these doctors just lose weight. Nobody actually tells me how or what to do. And Mm -hmm. so I read that. I realized, you know, I just keep gaining weight slowly, maintaining it, but not losing. And so I just made the decision to do a consult. Um, No one's ever suggested it. I never even thought about it. But that one thread led me there. And three years later, here I am. Thank you, Reddit. Yeah. Right? It was Reddit? The, the, the internet wins. It was one of those nursing school boards or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I was yeah. like, I don't remember her saying Reddit. I, I don't know why I thought Reddit, but I'm just going <laughs> to say it was Reddit. I, I will just give nursing it. Nursing school it Reddit. Us. Yeah. Maybe. Nursing school. Nurse Reddit. Period. Period. <laughs> yes. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you had surgery um, and three years ago, and you've obviously been on this really cool journey and you've been a very successful bariatric patient for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I use my tools and when I don't use my tools, uh, the success doesn't quite feel as connected, which is part of my journey with pleasure. So even though I have this whole career that is about sex and intimacy, mm-hmm. I really do try to explain, expand the idea of pleasure yeah. uh, when it comes to the body, the bariatric journey, because if I just keep focusing on the weight, and my body and the clothes, like the disappointment is just mm-hmm. going to it, compound on whatever else I might be dealing with in life. So wow. it's a journey, but I, I'm grateful and I wish I'd done it like 10 years ago. So um, I, I'll never take that away. Yeah, yeah, right. Never, ever. So then where did this sex therapy come into play? In the pleasure. The pleasure situation. Yeah. Like explain this all. Uh, I love it. So... Let's see. I've been uh, I've been in this field for about ten years. This oh. year, I want to say twenty twenty three. Wow. So this is just part of my profession, and uh, honestly, I blame it on growing up in a very Catholic strict background. Mm-hmm. But I also grew up like in and around DC and Maryland, okay. <laughs> so it was a lot of like uh, overlapping and bifurcating things where you've got like this music on the radio, you have the way people talk, it's very sexually loaded. But then I have this upbringing in my church and in my school, that's like, yeah, we don't, we don't even address these things. Yeah. So from a a young age, I was just, it was pure curiosity, honestly, parents answer your children's questions. (laughs) Yes, please. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a warning story by any means. This is now my living, but it came from the fact that nobody was talking about it, but it was so blatantly obvious. Um, and it's just morphed along the way as I've grown and learned professionally okay. and personally. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, and I heard you say something about leading a, like a pleasured life. Like what are, what does that like, mean exactly? Oh, no, thank you for that question. And it's, it's so novel and, Every time I think about it, because truthfully, trauma 
oppression is quite rampant in Western society. We're just so desensitized to it. Yeah. Uh, so I like to always bring this idea of liberation, of being selfish, not in an egoistic way, but just like, no, why are we conditioned to do things that really do not bring us pleasure, bring us joy, um, with some balance and harmony and in community? So for me, this pleasure-driven life is not about um, like overindulgence, okay. but it is to say you deserve, period. I love I that. Love I love it because our new logo is OSLP, period. Mm -hmm. So when you're saying period, I'm like, yes, yes, we hit the mark. Branding. <laughs> um, I love that because I think a lot of us feel like we've always just gone through the motions or we hear a lot like sitting on the sidelines and like I never did anything to like, I don't know, like make my heart go faster. Like if, if that makes sense. So like I never did anything like riding a roller coaster to right. like, you know, bring up my heart rate. Like I, I just kind of was there. You're in like homeostasis at all times. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's like, well, I mean, we can try it. If Why I not? hate it, I hate it. But at least I tried it. And so it's, it's very much learning like what do I enjoy? Mm -hmm. What do I actually want to do? being as I you know told you like be picky yeah be, be picky, picky with your within your own life because you do you do deserve to be happy and enjoy what you do yes it doesn't matter what Absolutely. age you're in and in my opinion honestly some of this is also about access right when I was 324 or 350 certain things just didn't appeal to me like it was difficult for me and it just it just wasn't in my wheelhouse and now roller coasters are on my bingo card right like there's just so many different things that I didn't realize because it just wasn't even viable mm -hmm. so these mini realizations are also parts of the pleasure where it's like okay I don't have to negate my larger body and that lived experience we don't have to shame that right. but we do also get to say I don't have to live there in order to find my validation I can just be here explore and keep growing yeah yeah, yeah. I love that. So how did you then go into sex therapy? Like how, how, why, like, I've just got like all these questions yeah. running through my head. Like, how does it, how does he even like go into, how do you even think like, okay, I'm going to make a career out of this? Yeah. I've always known since I'm 12, I either was going to be a ballerina, um, uh, L and D, a gyne uh, obstetrician or a therapist. <laughs> Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I've known it. And so I was very clear once I graduated from undergrad, I just went to school, got my master's in social work. And um, when I graduated from there, I you go to sex therapy school, which is a lot more accessible now to get that training. Okay. Uh, but there is formal training that you undergo okay. um, years of your time and money. <laughs> and okay. so that was kind of the first part of my career is getting the good clinical knowledge of being a mental health professional mm -hmm. that my jobs provided and then getting this extra training and experience along the way. Okay. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. pretty simple actually. Okay. So my, I have a, I have a question about my personal life. Okay. And this is like, as soon as you said, like, this is the sex therapist, I was like, Oh my God. Like I have she so many excited. questions. Okay. So oh, I, I am not a very sexualized person. 
Like, I, I'm not, like, one that's just, like, I need to have sex all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm good with, like, a base amount. My boyfriend, however, is a very sexually, per- like... Sex positive. Sex positive. He's, he, he is, loves to have sex. How do you merge those two as a couple? Like, oh. how do you figure out how to make both sides happy but then not feeling like you're just like, you know, doing it because your other person wants wants to do it, I guess might mm-hmm. be a question. The question. Yeah, no, that that's actually super common. Okay. <laughs> it's oh, a, it's a, yeah, no, you, you're a regular person. So it's basically a desire discrepancy. One person might want it more, one person might want it less. Okay. And it's perfectly fine. Uh, the trick here is being able to come to some sort of a, I'll use the word, compromise or middle ground about what actually is this for each of you yeah. uh, is the function of sex to like fulfill the physical need uh is it to offset energy is it to get that tlc loving connection mm-hmm. and so just kind of taking it back there okay because most of the time people just fall into sex right it's just part of our attraction it's mm-hmm. part of what we think of as quote-unquote normal mm-hmm. but we don't actually think what is this for us mm-hmm. uh and so once you can kind of get back on the conversation talking about it from that lens Mm. we find a little bit more movement because now I am um, empathetic I'm compelled to say oh okay this is how I can also meet your need for blah 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 Mm. right Um, also playing around with the timing so some people are more erotic in the morning or in the evening Uh, there's certain things that can lead up to it Mm -hmm. so there's a ton of ways that you can play around with it Uh, they all require though well, how do we think about it before intercourse actually happens and creating a culture of eroticism? Okay. And then like creating that conversation between the two of you where you feel comfortable talking 100%. about. Okay. Okay. So communication plays a big part. Oh yeah. In that. I would like just from having sex, like, yeah, like you need to talk. Like you guys should know each other's like rhythms and like, it's like having a conversation. Well, no, I mean, so like, you need to have a physical conversation, and then your bodies will have the other conversation. Yeah, like I'm, th- <laughs> I'm saying, like communication before saying, like this yeah. is what I need, like because mm-hmm. we actually had this conversation like a couple days ago, and it was like, yeah, yeah right, uh, because he, you know, Zach's like one of those people where he wants to have sex every day. He'd be happy if it was multiple times a day. Like he's just very oh. into sex, and I am not. I am just not like I'm good with like maybe once a week like that's where my needs get met and I'm good um and so we were kind of talking and he was like um and we so we opened up the conversation of like what does he need what do I need and then I need you know him to understand like sometimes I am in a flare and I can't have sex and I'm not gonna want to have sex so I need you to be understanding of that and not make like sex comments about me because I can't fulfill Yeah, he'll that. throw shade at you for not being able to. Well, I don't think it's so much shade. It's just like he wants to tell me that he finds me attractive. Okay. But I feel pressured. Mm. So, like, I feel guilty because I'm like, I'm in a flare and I can't have sex right now. And you're making sexual comments. And so now I feel bad because I can't do fulfill anything. Fulfill those comments. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think it's so much shade. as like he's just trying to, like, communicate how he... Like, that he wants me. 
Got you. And it's like, dude, I know you want me. Like, it's it's okay. Like, you don't, like, you don't oh, have to do that. Humble, humble brag. I, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, but that, that's important, right? Because miscommunications happen so easily, and sometimes they're very subtle. Mm. But in that instance, also super common, where it's like, don't touch me, don't even hug me, because you're going to want sex. I already know it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone. And that creates avoidance, where we just want Right. So okay. you might, and I don't know if you all have done this. It sounds like you've done a beautiful job, but like, okay, how else can he show his appreciation, affection for you in those moments? Like what words are not activating? Mm-hmm. And then on your end, it might be this idea of kind of like, okay, yeah, I know he's just giving me his blah, blah, blah. And I'm not entitled to do anything. Like mm-hmm. he's clear. I'm clear. So right now this is just affirmation. Yeah. I should do a PSA. I'm no one's therapist. I'm just offering insight and feedback. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. I appreciate it because it's it's very hard, like, coming from the relationship that I came, at, came from where I was married for 15 years and it was not a good relationship. And there were times that, like, sex was used as basically, like, almost like a weapon of, like, he didn't care if I wanted to. Like, that's what was happening. And so... coming from that into like the situation where Zach would never force me never in a million years, but then I feel guilty because of what I came from. So I'm trying to like, I'm getting more comfortable at like communicating that to him of like, this is where I'm coming from. And so I am learning slowly, but we do need to continue to communicate, which has, has helped. It has helped a lot. And then I realized like, I need to get past what I'm feeling sometimes and just like be in the moment with him. Yeah. Versus like going through all of or the going backwards. Past stuff. Yeah. 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 How brilliant. How brilliant. Um, I, I mentioned this at, at the bariatric retreat and I mentioned it to all my people because it's the truth. Sometimes, especially in sexual circumstances, we have our survival mechanisms that show up, right? Their ways of coping, their ways of making us feel safe and okay however they're usually divergent from coping and intimacy skills and that's what i'm hearing you say where it's just like yeah i still got my survival skills to just kind of armor myself and manage this mm-hmm. and we're recognizing that okay we get to start to shift it mm-hmm. so it's a dynamic it's relational but it's also the beautiful work that we get to do for ourselves to live really full lives mm-hmm. so i mean Many kudos to you, Miss Ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a it's been a journey. I'm sure. So I have one more question. Go ahead. Um, how often is like what is normal? Or not or average. Normal. What is an average of the normal. times that people should like have sex? Because it's like I feel I hear all different numbers and then some people are like, no, I feel like it's average like two or three times a week. But I don't know if, like, being a sex therapist, if you have a little bit more insight into that. Oh, well, so here's here's the downside. Uh, people don't come to me when it's, like, solid, operational. Yeah. Uh, they usually come when it's a little bit of a more problematic. So from experience, mm-hmm. those numbers will be just very off because I'm, I'm in a niche hole here. Got it. But the, the real answer, honestly, it's however often people want and desire it. 
right? Okay. Right? It just, I thought that's what you're It just is. is. You're entitled to your body, to your pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and consent should just be part of it either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that being said, people should be aware on when they feel disconnected from sex and intimacy. Okay. So if it feels like it is, uh, we might use the word compulsive. Um, some people use the word addictive, which is not language that I prefer. But if that's how you see yourself, really just examining is the function of sex actually what I desire or has it become an outlet or something else? So really just being sure that we're clear. It's not um, out of control, something that is disconnective or just like vacuous in some ways. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I know you have questions over there. And not that I have questions. It's more or less like. Those are not really personal questions as just, and like general, like what, you know, what are you seeing that is a problem for like the average person? Like what, what, what should people be like realizing this can happen and it's okay and it's not a problem? I like that question. Thank you. Yeah. So the, the desire discrepancy is actually very common amongst my couples. Okay. Um, I might have people from very religious backgrounds who are very conflicted around sex, especially mm-hmm. if they come from uh, religious, orthodox, uh, we can even say cult backgrounds mm-hmm. because what they were taught about not only sex, but their roles and identities mm-hmm. are not the lives they desire to live. So we also have this faith and belief component now that we're kind of having to lop in there around intimacy yeah uh with my bariatric people it's the body image it's Mm -hmm. the sex it's the relationships Mm -hmm. um and for my people who are dating it's all dating relationships and sex how to um disintegrate (laughs) the the damage done by maybe more casual dynamics and how to be a bit more smart and introduce intimacy with good boundaries so we're not using sex to cope it's an extension of a stable foundation. Okay. 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 I like that. Well, and I know like when I first got like to my lowest, the skin thing drove me nuts and I, I hated the clap back. (laughs) I was like, I now it's fine. Yeah. Whatever. But you know, it was new to me and it Mm -hmm. threw me off and I know I'm not the only one that has that clap back. So how would you help someone that is going through that problem? Oh, well, first off, just being able to acknowledge that it's it's not a problem, right? Number one, it's the result of losing a significant amount of weight. Mm-hmm. So framing that our bodies are not, um, they're not objects, right? We're all trying to get closer to that thin ideal mm-hmm. that says like your body has to be this way to be valuable. And that's simply not the truth, right? right. So once we just start to dismantle this idea of what the body should be, we can also be real with the fact that, yeah, it's going to make noise. Maybe we start to experiment how we move so we don't hear it as much mm-hmm. either. Yeah. Uh, we get to play around with our clothes. So all of those become more actionable when it's not laced in judgment and like self-derision. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think about the body image part because I know like I don't, you know, I, you know, bo- uh, body dysmorphia plays a part is like, you know, you look at yourself and you're like, I'm still 300 pounds or whatever your highest weight is and you're not. And so it's really hard to be intimate with somebody when you don't even feel like mm-hmm. you want to be intimate with anybody. Mm-hmm. 100%. And so 
it's interesting because I, I like I said earlier, I just newly minted doctorate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so the focus of my my doctoral project was on using mindfulness and self-compassion for the sexual body image of bariatric women. Oh, and so God. part of this, the I, I know like how timely, part of the self-compassion piece is what mediates the body shame because mm-hmm. we just become this object measuring ourselves in these external ways. Mm-hmm. And also the objectification piece, right, is the part that takes us away from being parts of our bodies, right? Now we're these aspects that really enhance body dysmorphia, as opposed to being like, okay, I can appreciate what my belly does for me. I get that I have the sagging skin and the sagging skin is functional. The body moves this way. So we really have the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with ourselves in order to compensate for some of the damage that's been done trying to fit in, trying to manage, just being like a person uh, in the world. But those imprints are quite lasting. Yeah. And weight loss doesn't mean anything. Like our lived experiences give us the template for how to be in the world. Yeah. And so with the changing body, we have to change that template as well. Mm. Yes. And I, and I would say going from being married to a man that didn't really have a good sex drive um yeah. to now I'm dating and like these dudes like some of them are just really nice and you're like and they're literally like complimenting your body and I think that is very helpful if your partner can compliment you while you're even naked because like I now like the there's two dudes that have done that with I've done that with and I feel comfortable just walking around naked Mm-hmm. But, like, it took me a couple of years to be comfortable walking around naked with my husband. So it's kind of interesting, like, the different dynamics mm-hmm. of just, like, if your partner can compliment you and how much mm-hmm. it can go. It, I think Absolutely. it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. I think it really does make a difference because my ex rarely compliment, complimented me. I, th- I felt like I was always, like, digging for the compliments. Like, what do you think? What do you think of me in this dress or whatever? And with Zach, I don't have to like draw those out. Like he just automatically says them. And even though he'll say them sometimes I'm like, thanks, but I don't see it. Yeah. Like, and, and I think that's my own well, that is your history own, yeah. Yeah, there, but it's hard to listen to it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I just, just don't compliment me right now. <laughs> like I don't see it. I mean, and you all can probably speak to this as well in terms of like the partner selection. Like there might yes. be things that you consider to be non-negotiables at this juncture. There are certain mm-hmm. things that people say where it's like, oh, I'm really not into that. Um, and whenever I come in contact with any, any potential partner, I'm listening for if they have like fat phobic comments. Uh, what are they saying? What are they saying about their own bodies? And I'll make it very clear. So this fitness journey you're on, I hope you don't expect me to also be on it. Okay, well, thank thank you. Uh, To be very clear (laughs) about what their job is with their body, Mm -hmm. but also, like you all are saying, an appreciation for me and my body. Yeah. But those should just be relational skills that I think um, are often sacrificed in an effort to not be alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I 100% agree. Yeah. One I we did it. Yeah, we definitely did it. I did. I had my comfort level, and like mm-hmm. I said, I didn't do anything that raised my heart rate. Yeah, 
Like that's how I live my life. And that's exactly the description of my, of my old marriage was everything was just there. Like there was nothing that it was just comfort. Mm-hmm. It was just pure comfort. And so now, I mean, Zach drives me up the fucking wall half the time, but I love him. And, you know, we're working on things together. And that that's what I, like, I see when I think about our relationship is that, and it helps that he had bariatric surgery too. And I've known him for a long time. 24 years, 23 years, something like that. So, yeah. So it makes things a little bit easier. But I, uh, my, one of my non-negotiables when I was thinking about it was uh, knowing what boundaries I have and respecting those boundaries but then also being willing to work on yourself and us as a couple. If you're willing to do that, we can work through things together. If you're not willing to like go to therapy, you're not willing to talk about things. I'm out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Be on the pedestal. You should have always been there. Honestly, you just see it a bit more. um, It's just a bit more blatant and it's unfortunate. And at the same time, it is what it is. Right. If this is the opportunity at our disposal, let's take advantage of it so that we get to do our own healing. And hopefully this registers and resonates across the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we just invite more dignity, more boundaries, more connection? We would call it attunement in the therapy world. Right. But like, how do we find safety, connection, nurturing within a dynamic? Mm -hmm. But both people have to contribute to that. Yeah. Kind of screwed yeah 100% I think that's what I'm like looking for is like non-negotiables is like what do I really want what is like okay and not okay Mm -hmm. Um, because I love that you brought up the workout thing because the person I'm seeing right now we were talking about working out and he's like you know working out is very important like I would love like for you to go with me and I was like well I like working out as well I go but uh, honest with you if I go with you I'm not working out with you and he's like what and I was like it's going to be earbuds in and I'm doing my thing and you do your thing and then we leave together. Like, I'm not going to do whatever workout you make because I'm not, that's not how this is going to roll. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, like, that's just how, like, I was like, that's just one of my things. I'm like, I need to be all in with my music mm-hmm. and get on that fucking row, row machine. Yeah. So. Well, and I think it's important to say, like, I will not do this. Like, this is not, like, I, I think it's fun if you, like, plan a date around working out and you guys go in and do a couple things together. But if you're going on a daily basis, no, there's no reason why I need to stick to your side. No. Like I'm a full ass grown adult. Nobody's stealing me. We're good. Right. (laughs) We are good. Let me do my own thing. You do your own thing. Period. Plus your needs are probably different, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, you're, you're all in on your plan. Mm -hmm. And when we're authentic and then we're honest, every, Everybody gets the opportunity to give their yeses and their noes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Right. It's scary, but like being honest, being open and understanding that people can say yes or no. Mm-hmm. And that's the greatest gift is being able to be like, okay, well, maybe a workout date is not for us or okay, cool beans. So what time are we leaving? Yeah. Now it's clear. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So with um, bariatrics, there is this stigma around divorces and bariatrics and the and kind of like the crumble of relationships if you were together pre 
versus post and all of that. What are some kind of issues that you see that maybe could be communicated better within couples um, when they're going through, when one half is going through bariatrics? Mm, I have an answer to your question, but before I answer your question, I have to, I have to fix the question a little bit. Oh, okay. Ha! Okay. Okay. So, I mean, it's a stigma, but it's also just like a fact. Okay. Divorce is high after bariatric surgery. But part of that is because those relationships sometimes were trash to begin with. Right. So that's the gift. The power dynamics were probably off. There was a lot of objectification, probably some abuse and maybe not like physical or emotional, but just like this. Okay. Or, or, or that, right? Or all, so of, all them. of them. Yeah. 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 And again, to not be alone, to not be lonely, to be normal, quote unquote, like there's a lot of things you're willing to accept to just be in a relationship, to be considered worthy um, or whatever have you. So, yeah, when someone's body changes, there is your own process, but then there's also the process of that person. Mm. And if the dynamic was really not equitable, healthy, reciprocal, it's going to crumble. And, and honestly, it should. So okay. those relationships, when people when people are have, having healthy relationships and they get bariatric surgery, typically those healthy relationships continue. Right. Because okay. right? they, they were healthy, loving relationships. And now it's like, okay, happy, proud of you, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, the high divorce is real and it's an opportunity. So I want to affirm that if mm-hmm. it was not at the bomb.com, if you tried communicating and working with your partner and they were not receptive or responsive, then understand that that was their choice around the relationship. And it's okay to let that go. You have a whole new chapter in front of you. Okay. So that, that was the fix. Uh, but no, to answer I, your question. I agree with uh-huh. that. <laughs> I was like, it's just, it's true. It's this true. Is... And good, good people for finding their empowerment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what can people do? Be honest, be very, very honest about your yeses and your noes. Um, especially if you are someone who is a female identified conditioned responses to like not take care of your needs to just fade into the background to be the funny one couches a lot of our organic desires and pleasures so spend some time just getting to know yourself Um, date yourself if you want to and then teach your partner or your prospective partner how you want to be treated right Mm -hmm. like these are invitations to start modeling for people how you desire um for them to show up to your life because you emanate that as well um and if you're already doing it like keep going it's wonderful (laughs) kick it up a notch even and if you're not you know we also get to check in on what obstructs that for you it's probably something with fear Mm -hmm. uh fear abandonment rejection Mm -hmm. and so get the support you need around that as well. It's real and it's fine. Well, I remember being scared, like talking about that stuff at first with Eric. And then once I did, I felt kind of dumb being scared just because like he was completely receptive of that. And so I'm like, why was I so nervous? But it's also, I'm just being, I'm afraid of rejection. And you're afraid, like at that point you were afraid to be alone. Oh yeah. Because I just became like, I now know after being outside this marriage is the fact of like, I was a bigger woman. Mm -hmm. I, he was like, everybody loved him. He was the party guy and fun guy. So we had, we had a baby, got married and like, yeah, once, and once I got 
you know, surgery done, I now could, I would like open my eyes to everything that was actually happening around me where I'm like, oh, this man's a, he takes advantage of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he's a little like verbally abusive. Like there's just these random things that just you ignored because you don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. And I totally did that. And I'm definitely one of those cases. And it's fine to be one of those cases. I remember being like, I'm not going to be that case. I'm not going to be that statistic. But it's also like, who cares? Like, if you are, you are. And if you're not one statistic, you're another fucking statistic. Yeah. So it's like. Ah, touche. Yeah, right? It's like yeah. you just got to do what you like, what makes you actually feel happy. Mm-hmm. And for us, we drifted apart. There were some extras, of course, of why we drifted apart. But it's fine. Like, I'm only 37. There's so much years ahead. I mean, you know what's really funny, though? <laughs> I love you. She's like, if you're 37, there's a lot left. Okay. I really, I, if I could stay 37, I'd be happy. I know this is a good one. I like 37. I really do. I was nervous to turn 37 and now I'm like, I like it. I like it here. I'll just stay here. I've liked my 30s. Yeah. Yeah. I really have. So what's funny is you saying that you thought about that within your marriage. Mm -hmm. I never once thought, like thought about it. Like I knew it was like the, the divorce after. Oh. So, like, I knew that it was a statistic and a fact or a fact. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're not that. I was not worried at all, at all about that. I was like, nah, we're going to be together forever, blah, 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 blah. And then now I look back and I'm like, Kelly, you're an idiot. Like, you're just an idiot for, like. You're not an idiot. You just couldn't see it. I didn't see it. And that's part of why I'm like I'm an idiot for not seeing it but I also was protecting myself which I know through therapy but it's interesting that you thought about it oh yeah and I didn't think about it yet we're still divorced divorced yeah so it really doesn't matter yeah you're not an idiot and you're not dumb right there's plenty of things obviously no one has to say anything you can just visualize it if you go back in your life story you can consider where you learned, oh, shoot, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't say this. And that becomes the template of where we learn about the abandonment, the rejections, and not getting the heart rate up, and just kind of starting to tune certain things out organically. Mm. So it's protective. It's a way of cope. It's the survival template that takes up through the process of bariatric surgery. Like, you just have to take care of yourself so differently Mm -hmm. and in my opinion that process also facilitates the changes for people it did for me at least yeah i see it with other people it's just something about having to take care of yourself in such different ways Mm -hmm. over a significant amount of time where everything becomes like wait a minute i can't i can't quite do this the same i feel differently in relationship to these things Mm -hmm. so no, you both are right. You both are awesome. This is this is how we learn. Yeah, we did learn a lot. We've learned a lot. Yeah, and we know what we don't want. And I think it's funny because my coping mechanism is to say it's fine. Whatever, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I can deal with it, whatever. And so my my goal that has been all of this year is just being able to say like, well, no, that's not fine. Yeah. And really, like, understanding, like, that is not fine, so we're going to either talk about it or 
or it really is fine and Mm -hmm. it doesn't make that much impact on my life. But I need to be able to like discern like, is this coping because I don't want to deal with the rejection or the confrontation or is this actually fine? Yeah. You actually analyze it. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been, I've been able to do better at like in my relationships and not just like Zach, but like my family with Mm -hmm. you, with, you know, we're able to have discussions because I'm actually able to say like, okay, this is not fine. Yeah. Like I'm feeling like this or take a break and walk away, think about it and then come back. Like a lot of things have changed with that, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. I love, she's I love it when I want to find liberation. Like, oh my god, I'm like yes. I I feel like we both have. We have. Like we're getting there. Mm-hmm. It's it's been a it's been a hell of a year. It's been a hell of a year. Yeah. But like, we're finding out like that we're more powerful than we think we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's the pleasure. Just give yourself the chance to indulge, to dream higher. Let me not jinx it. Let me not on wood but everything that I dreamed and desired this year it's come into fruition and it's even just realizing how much of a chance I did not give myself to just like dream big do whatever and that's my biggest encouragement especially for bariatric people is like stop playing small like go big go big or go home say that you suck (laughs) I said it first yeah so question around pleasure with just yourself. So is there anything you can do throughout the day to make you like more in the mood or make you feel good? Mm-hmm. So that way when your partner does come up to you, you see more receptive. That's is a there really good question. anything that we can do on our own? Oh my gosh, totally. Uh, number one, self-pleasure. If you desire, right. If your body is calling for it, absolutely. I'm a self-pleasure advocate. Um, penis owners have that refractory period so you know if they sell pleasure we kind of might have to time out some people are more gifted than others but for vagina owners that's really not the case like some people have more energy you know want to go again so if you desire to energize your body that way go right ahead right um i love talking about pleasure through the senses as well so considering like what is the music that just makes you feel alive and vitalized what smells do it? I'm obsessed with perfume these days. Like perfume yeah, smells are good. Okay. Sexy. So I'm just saying, right? And then also just this idea of playing around with like your sexual archetype as well. Ooh, so what's that? do you want? It? Oh my goodness! Think about it like um, a Latin, no, Jasmine from Aladdin versus like maybe uh, Corella Deville, right? She's not the sexiest but you see what I'm saying like we get to have these energies around our eroticism that we embody and if you're just kind of like yeah I show up here that's perfect that's fine but what does it look like to be a bit more flirtatious to be a bit more demanding to be a bit more explicit and direct right or maybe even to surrender and just playing on what does it look like for you to embody that and then share it with your partner if you have a partner, right? right. And if not, what does it look like to feel that for yourself? Um, again, using your senses when you self pleasure, do you, do you actually listen to yourself? Do you allow yourself to express that, or do you kind of still restrict in some ways? Mm-hmm. So all of these things are just little little things we can do, but they totally enhance the experience and they bring a bit more of your presence into opportunities. 
And toys, if you want. And, and toys. toys. <laughs> toys are never a bad thing, in my opinion. I mean. No, there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. Whatsoever. <laughs> we use toys. Let's we'll just say that. We're grown-ass women. Who doesn't use toys? Well, some people uh, don't like them, but. I'm sure, but I mean, ladies in the 50s were using cucumbers. At least we've like grown. That is true. Safety first. Well, uh, I mean, I even think... in like medieval times, weren't they using like glass? Oh my God. Oh. I hope Golly, not. they were doing a lot in medieval times, and the hygienic concerns were yeah. not there. Um, so, yeah. Okay, yeah. so don't do that. Don't, but no. No, but I'm just saying, like, this is like a, a ongoing thing. People are. Yes. Using other objects, objects within sex. Yeah. So it doesn't, totally. it shouldn't be a shock that there's people using toys. Oh, not I'm at all. Not yeah. at all. The technology around toys is like surpassed in the past 30 to 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, things have USB ports where they used to have to plug into the wall, right? So there's all of these different things, textures, rubberized silicone. Educate yourself on water-based uh, versus any other kind of lubricants and just seeing what works for your body. Uh, same with prophylactic condoms, right? Not every condom works for everyone's body. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually brings me to something totally not related to what you all are saying, but also notice how your body responds to someone that you're with. Uh, I've heard this. I cannot scientifically prove it. I have not found it, but I've looked. Okay. I have met some women who have said, that when they're intimate with someone, they throw off their pH. And for some reason, that was like a big sign that they shouldn't be with that person. I don't know what it is, pheromones, but it's either a hygiene thing or it's your body being like, this ain't the one. So, huh. I don't know if my pH has ever changed. <laughs> How do you clue. know if your pH changed? <coughs> I have no fucking oh, clue. Oh, well, you can use like strips. Yeah, like you can use like the PH ones you use for the when pool. People are you just out. <laughs> when people are trying to go into ketosis, they'll use those pH strips mm-hmm. to check your pee. Yeah, so it's you pee on it. Yeah. You pee on it. Yeah, you don't like dip it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but you you you'll know your you know your regular uh, pH, and when it becomes like too acidic, it might be related to diet, right? There's like all these things that doesn't agree with your body. And ultimately, your body is a bunch of systems, right? So our vagina is also close to our bladder. Our urethra is in front of, <laughs> you know. So we have all these things that are also designed to expel uh, lining uh, prepared for a baby. So in addition to pleasure, we also have the functional parts to consider. <laughs> yes. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. I had no idea how to do so, that. I'm just like... What? You know, I'm a very visual person. I know. I know. So, it's just the fact that you're like, what, do you just dip it in you? Like, no, <laughs> well, no. Well, because I thought, Don't no, dip it. this is why. I'll give you the real reason. Okay. Okay, one, when you pee on a strip, yes. I was thinking it's going to tell you what your pee's pH is, not what your vagina is, because your vagina is different than your pee. So I was like, do you just touch it on the inside? <laughs> oh, my God. But <laughs> you know honestly, I would be super curious about that in a research study if you try out both just saying dm me all right i'll do a little scientific all right i'm writing write that down, down. I'm, but I'm we, we have to down. buy ph strips first because yes. i'm not going to use my pool ones apparently you shouldn't do that no 
Those are for chlorine. <laughs> Those are for chlorine. I'd be and pH. I'd yes, be please don't. Please, we can afford pH strips. Yes, we can. We have pH strip money. <laughs> I can't even spell Any right CBS. now. Any CBS. For Walgreens. <laughs> That's so for good. For experiment. For experiment. Oh, we're going to video this shit. This is going to be great. Not of your vagina. No, no, okay, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like. I'll just come out of the bathroom and be like, second one, done. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look out for that, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay. So weird. Okay, now that we've learned what we can do for ourselves, what can we do to help our partners? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Honestly, helping your partners is inviting them to also share with you what it is that they would like right okay. um it's almost like love languages people like to copy paste what they like onto their partner mm-hmm. and you can totally do that like explore but also collect the data from them about like what turns you on what do you like uh i personally always recommend those little sexy quizzes online mm-hmm. to just go through engage each other's temperature like wait there's sexy quizzes partner? online yes of course no, there is there's what quizzes are, over everything but what is this sexy quiz like what does it do i don't know i've never oh. done one so the beauty is that you both get to take the quiz or the the check boxes okay to gauge each other's interests and there's so many different kinds one of the favorite ones that i like is that both people take them separately mm. and then you get the results of the ones that you've only agreed on Oh, okay. Right. So let's say if I want to do something outdoors and my partner's like, no, for that, it'll only show me the ones that we've both said yes to. Oh, so nice. that's sometimes a safe way. Okay. Um, but I also don't shy away from the conversations about, OK, let's say one person is a bit more kinky or maybe they're a bit more of an exhibitionist. You know, they they have this body. They've always had this body. They want to show it off. OK, this is what you're into. We don't shame uh, our partner's interests. We don't yuck okay. other people's yum is the phrase, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't make faces um, just when they tell you. At all. At yeah, all. At all. <laughs> not, in a, not in a reciprocal accepting relationship. Like, that really is not part of the deal here, right? Okay. We create safe and sacred spaces, in my opinion, to understand what that is for the person, right? As opposed to, oh, what a freak or what a weirdo. It's like, oh, okay, what about that do you like? Okay, it's not my thing. Uh, is that something you want me involved in that we're doing? So just like make it a conversation. Mm-hmm. And then that's understanding what's off the table, what your yeses and nos are, what your partner's desires are, and where you all can meet in the middle. Okay, okay. I like that. Because yeah. I think... I think a part of my mine and Eric's relationship that was so hard is that like he it was interesting where he would want he didn't want me to initiate he wanted to be the initiator but if I didn't initiate we never had sex it didn't happen, happen. it didn't happen mm-hmm. so like I what I started doing because I listened on some podcast about it of like in the morning just being really playful and like just slowly build the playfulness in hopes and does that work is that is that what i'm supposed to do that's that cult. well first off that's that culture of eroticism but have you noticed that it worked it did yeah it yeah. did yeah mm-hmm. picking up what you're putting down and that's the hard part right when somebody either by default uh, one person becomes the initiator for whatever reason or that's been the agreement 
then it's kind of like, oh, okay, but we're kind of like stuck on your, on your schedule here. And maybe I don't want to be on that schedule, but that's not where we have to leave things. So like you're saying, starting to drop some hints, whether it's non-verbally or verbally, just really putting it out there. Yeah. And so now it's like, oh, there's a responsiveness that gets to take place. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, sometimes flirt. Yeah, I was going to say flirt because I tried that for like a couple days and it worked, but it took a couple days if I was just through compliments Mm -hmm. and just do like touching your shoulder or whatever, just like Mm -hmm. throwing it down. And then like, yeah, it took about three days later, but it worked, but it just like, it just took work on the other side. And for me, I just don't want to have to do all of that work. Yeah. That's where I'm at. You want an equal partner in the initiating. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And I I feel like that's that's a good boundary Mm -hmm. to set up. And it sounds like an agreement as well, where it's like, listen, if you see me doing these things, uh, this is what it means. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if, if they're picking up on it, great. And if not, we get to put these things on the table, so to speak. Uh, Mm -hmm. And not as a one-off, like we get to come back to our agreements, Mm -hmm. um, Actually, I should say this with a caveat. Sometimes with agreements that don't go the way that we think they should go, mm-hmm. people just kind of abandon them and they're like, oh, well, this didn't work. And it's like, well, okay, sure. But maybe we didn't consider some things. Maybe it just didn't um, pan out the way that we thought it would. And there's something else to add in or understand. Okay. So yeah, keep coming back like weekly, bi-weekly at the minimum until there's a bit more of a rhythm that feels good. Okay. Uh, but also just like the weather rhythms change. So sometimes we have to shift and adjust and that's perfectly fine. Okay. So I also saw this thing on, I think it was TikTok. Of course it was TikTok. And um, the it was a couple and they um, kept sex journals. Not so much of like what happened, but of like things that they thought about that they wanted to work on with their partner. And then they would have oh. meetings and like they would, talk about it okay like how they were each feeling over their time what what are your thoughts on that I love it um I like when people write things down similar to the journal you are the habit trackers you all were talking about uh because we lose so many things just Mm -hmm. in day-to-day life Mm -hmm. and also sometimes the stories that we create about something uh sometimes someone has to be at blame or at fault Mm -hmm. so being able to journal write it out get clarity might help to facilitate conversations I do encourage people to have the conversations though as opposed to like texting or these really passive forms of communication Mm -hmm. because you just miss out on too much but if you have your script or your reference your source material well have at it okay it's like prep work yeah because I mean I think sometimes like because me and Zach live apart we live in two different houses and so sometimes when I'm by myself, I'll think of something, mm-hmm. but I do, it's not necessarily something that I want to text or like talk on the phone. Like I want to be able to have a conversation in person about it. And so when I saw that, I was like, I, it, it, it's funny because it's been in the back of my mind for a couple weeks now. Okay. And because I think I saw it while we were in Atlanta. And so it's kind of just been like in the back and so it's funny I'm like oh oh I can ask this question like is this helpful is this not helpful like because you know sometimes I I don't want it to turn into like homework you know I want it to be like we're working on it together but it's like not homework it's like us just like working towards like having a functional and happy relationship 
and coming to meet in the middle, I okay. guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Compromise. Yeah. But a happy one. Yeah. Happy compromise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I call it home play, honestly. Because no play. one wants work. Home play? I yeah. Like we're just We're just playing. We're just exploring. We're just seeing how things are. Um, and it's inorganic to an extent, right. <laughs> you know? So anything that's inorganic feels super sterile and awkward at first. Mm -hmm. But you just have to keep doing it until you find your own uh, rhythm to it and make it enjoyable. If, if we approach it awkward, it's going to be awkward. But if we're just like, heck yeah, I want to mow you down. But like, what do you need from me? Uh -huh. Okay, this is what I want from you. Totally different tone and energy, mm -hmm. which goes back to that archetypal embodiment, right? Like what version of yourself do you desire to bring to these conversations and to your own pleasure? Okay. All right. I think the other question I have is like, say if your partner is very like scared to talk, because like we keep trying to say like put them in a safe place, but like is that when they need to like maybe come to you? Is we're like, hey, let's have a professional come in on this. Totally. If two people are willing to do the work, professional support helps, and that's one thing that I've noticed. If someone's unwilling. Um, they're not going to do well, even if they show up because they have to be ready and available to do their work. Um, so we don't necessarily have to judge the fear, but we also get to say, I, I desire this caliber of relationship with you. And that's not available without this amount of, uh, connection with being heard. And so like, yeah, like, are you able to do this? part with me yeah uh, get the support we need so my job is giving people skills a lot of times insights or just doing a bit of that deep dive that they're kind of blind to for a lot of reasons but this is what I'm trained to do and understand so just inviting people to understand themselves in ways that maybe they just don't get yet but when they have that aha we can shift it Okay. Well, and can you talk a little bit more about how it's not a shameful thing? Like this is normal, natural of what we're supposed to be doing just as people and humans. Ah, the therapy part or the sex part? Both. <laughs> Both, please. Both, please. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Um, so some of this depends on people's upbringings and backgrounds, right? But inherently, whatever value system you have, we get to say that you are valuable. Um, there is really no authority or restriction on this earth that should infringe upon you, or else what was ever the point, right? So just getting to this place that we are supposed to be evolutionary, we are supposed to be developmental. And at this stage in the game, um, it is not, it's typical, but it's not ideal to still operate with the rules that you were given. And it's like a phonograph, right? We just put our own voice on it and it becomes our thoughts, but it's not us. Yeah. Right. Okay. So being able to really understand our relationship to sex, our relationship to our bodies, our relationship to our erotic capital, like how do we even interface in the world around these concerns? really invigorates us to kind of say, okay, what am I holding on to that doesn't belong to me that I no longer need? And what do I desire to cultivate? And, and being like responsible for that. You know, we can't blame, and I always blame my my parents because I'm like, dang on it, they ain't teach me nothing mm -hmm. about nutrition. Yeah, right but it's like, okay, 
yeah, yeah, like that happened. And you were fat for a long time. Okay, cool. And now we did all this stuff. So when do you get to be in charge of your life? Right. So that's the real question. Today you get to be in charge of your life. What are you going to do with it? What do you, how do you see it? For that's the question. Yeah. How do you see your life? Whether that's your bariatric life, your sexual life, your life as a partner. What do you see? What do you want? It goes back to you saying, you know, shoot big. Like you want to dream big. That goes, I think that goes right along with that. Mm -hmm. Like how, what do you want to see the rest of your life become? Yeah. Like in in all the different avenues. Mm -hmm. Like I know. And it's all interconnected. Yeah. 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 It's like to to have this good sex life, you also have to consider how you want to show up sexually. You have to consider the partnerships or the types of pleasure that you want. Mm -hmm. So it's not anything that's, it can be isolated, but typically it's not, right? Once you start to recalibrate the standards for all of these things, Mm -hmm. it inherently trickles over into sex and intimacy. Oh, okay. 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 Now you've said it before that your parents didn't talk to you. Ours certainly did not to our, us at all. Like, no. I didn't... Yeah, it's annoying. So, as a parent, when do you think they should start talking about this? Like, how soon should we, like, just be open, honest, and mm-hmm. just, like... I know I know me, like, with Dylan, we say this is a penis. We say this is a vagina. Like, we'd give them the real terms mm-hmm. because that's something I was, like, we have to do. But when is it a good time to start talking about this and just making them feel comfortable? Uh, as young as possible. I've heard as young as three. Um, but honestly, like you're saying, using, uh, the appropriate language, uh, language that is age appropriate so that they can first get to know their bodies, right? We think about bodies and children in this very sexualized manner, which in some ways is protective, right? We don't want to expose a risk, but at the same time, it can't be your cuckoo or your privates. Like they are entitled to have their own sexual rights, which includes knowing about their body. So it's age appropriate. And maybe it's just understanding that this is what this is. And when they start to hit adolescence, uh, prepubescence, starting to shift those conversations, because we also have hormones, we have these social connections and dynamics that we do want to prepare them for. So as early as possible is what is encouraged and continuing to shift the conversation so that it's appropriate, but also that it's normal. Like it, it might be a little bit awkward, but it doesn't have to be this weird, awkward thing all of a sudden one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can set that tone. Yeah, because I feel like with me, my my mom certainly did not talk to us about. Like I feel like she kind of left it up to like the school, your health class, to kind of teach you. But even then, you're so embarrassed to have to talk about this because there's boys and there's girls and like there's things on the screen and you're just like I I remember I was just like put my head down don't pay attention type of thing like I didn't like I was so embarrassed to even be in that class because I there was no groundwork laid Mm-mm. at all so like I didn't know that it was completely normal to discuss these things and then going to like fast forward to when I was 16 and had sex for the first time I didn't know most of what was going on. Like no. I knew I was going to have sex, but I didn't I didn't have any groundwork laid for no, that. None of us did. Yeah. No. So it's it's to me it's very important to like not and with like the social media, like 
kids are on TikTok. Oh. They're on Instagram. They're on all these things. And they can get onto porn sites real quick. Oh, yeah. And they're seeing these things on TikToks. Like, it's crazy to me some of the things that they're seeing because I have two bonus kids. Uh, my boyfriend, Zach, has two kids. And they're 15 and 18. And they're both girls. And I love them. But I'm just like, some of the things I'm like, I don't know if that's like a good thing for you to watch, like Euphoria, yeah. like that was oh. a whole yeah. new thing. That's a question. When's like I don't even know if this really matters, but like seeing sexual things mm-hmm. on the screens, like mm-hmm. when is a time frame that that's okay? Because I remember when I read this adult, this boy adolescent um, book, because I was taking like that class for the age group. And so they were saying the age, but correct me if I'm wrong. I could have swore it was like between 12 and 14 for boys. Like the things that they see and the things that happen to them and things that they're around can really like take them for the the rest of their life of how they like sexual things and what can happen. Mm -hmm. So like, how do we make sure we're being safe around our kids like, I wouldn't even smoke out of my bong because I was like, I don't want Dylan to see me sucking on anything. Oh, my God, no. No, it but it's so a thing. Funny. They didn't want – there was something I read that, like, they don't want their mother seen in any sexual way during that time frame. Like, that's oh. – Interesting. That prepubescent period. Yeah. Is it impactful? Sure. But also, like, so is 17 – Um. 16 going to be um also it's just that age when we're trying to find like social acceptance connection they're finding their own identity and so all of this stuff that was like fun about their parents before it's kind of like this is different Mm -hmm. i'm questioning it Uh, and then sexually speaking like no i don't want to have any connections with Mm -hmm. what's happening here yeah and with that being said it's such a tenuous topic these days because like we're seeing social media, TV is so accessible. You just verify your 18 by pushing a button. Right. So, you know, I need my whole face to open my cell phone, but whatever. <laughs> um, and so, no, it's fair. True. It doesn't That's make so any true. sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. But Not I mean, at all. No reason to steal more of my data. But anywho, <laughs> um, it goes back to this idea of when we teach about the values cohesively, about bodies, body image, respect, sex, intimacy, self-pleasure, right? Like how are we teaching um, penis and vagina owners about self-pleasure, doing it in your room, um, touch? When we start to frame these conversations, we give enough of a foundation that they start to learn and figure things out. Um, Not figure things out. They start to learn for themselves what they prefer. Okay. And also, we can have intervention conversations where it's just like, listen, this content is a bit much. Uh, it's not appropriate for where you are. This is more so for when you're over 18. See, it says it over 18. <laughs> so we, we can have these conversations. And also, there's discussions about ethical porn and objectification of women and how sometimes it can be a fantasy. So for that age, we can introduce those topics as well, whether or not they're going to scoff at it. Hey, that's what it is. But we can certainly do our part as the adults in young people's lives to really just inform them as opposed to shame or shield them Mm -hmm. in the ways that our parents tried to protect us, um, which didn't give a foundation for anything. Yeah. 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 Well, and I mean, even we were going to to Planned Parenthood for our birth control. Like we didn't even, Mm -hmm. I don't even think my mom knew I was on birth control. 
Probably not. And like, so that's something that I've kind of realized is like, I would like to be able to talk about like that birth control is important and being safe and being prepared for what's going to happen because you don't want a kid at 16. Like you just, you don't want to do that because you want to be able to live a life and then have a functional, be a functional parent after. And at 16, it's very hard to do that. Um, I mean, not that it can't be done, but it's, it's more hard. Difficult. Yeah, a conversation on values and desires, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I, I think these are all important to share from the space of sharing, loving, consideration, um, as opposed to what some people do, which is more of the, the judgment, uh, the, mm-hmm. what's the word I'm looking for? Just more of the stringent, you should, you shouldn't mm-hmm. uh, ways of being and just like, opening for questions like you're saying offering options all these different types of birth control is this even good for your body friend do you know about a pelvic exam that that's one thing actually too right people with um any sort of pelvic pain disorders and just understanding what's available at the gynecologist Mm -hmm. so there's all these things that we just assume people will take care of the professional the teacher and we just don't equip people with the basic things that we we're just it's so normal for us yeah exactly no I couldn't agree more well is there anything else that you would like to add that maybe we forgot to ask no you all are amazing interviewers um now that I'm a newly minted softer uh, the, <laughs> the time is coming for me to create bariatric content so if anyone desires to see more in the community around sex intimacy pleasure. Yes, you hit me up. I have ideas, but I'm also open because y'all my peeps. So let Aww, me know. I love that. Yes. I love that. Well, and we do need to talk about it more within the community. We do. You know, it's, uh, you know, I like that you're not just talking about pleasure with your partner or by yourself, but it's pleasure within your bariatric community or with your bariatric journey. You just throwing shit? I'm throwing shit. <laughs> um, but it's encompassing it all into your life. And um, I feel like especially the relationship aspects, it's not talked about as much because it's nobody wants to talk about divorce. Um, and I think preventing some of that by being able to talk with your partner and kind of communicate about what's happening, mm-hmm. I think is huge. And so I think you should bring more to the community is what I was going to say. Long story short. Long story short. <laughs> You called my name and I answered. I will be there. Yes. Yes. We love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, sharing your knowledge. Um, You guys will find all of her links below. And don't forget to check out our Sleep Life podcast, new merch, the habit tracker that you can download for. And it's a year tracker. That's right. Um, And then also go to patreon.com forward slash OSLP and become a patron. And then, of course, go to ProCare. Yeah. Go get to your vitamins, guys. Yep. Get the official vitamin of the podcast. All right. We love you guys, and we will see you next time. Bye. Hey, listeners. If you enjoyed your time with us, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform you get your podcasts. And don't forget to go over to patreon.com forward slash OSLP for all your support needs. 
That's right. And we even have our own website. So go over to arslevipodcast.com, sign up for our newsletter, get that free ebook, and then don't forget to get your merch. And also we're on YouTube guys. So type in our name, hit that bell and hit subscribe. And you're going to see our lovely faces every single Tuesday. So thank you for listening to Arsleep Life Podcast, where we are breaking that stigma one episode at a time.